Welcome to the Band of Brothers podcast. The current series we are engaged in is entitled The Man's Guide to Spiritual Disciplines. We're being led by Milton Redeker, the men's coordinator, Renee Rivera, and Eric Reed, the men's minister and married young adult minister at Houston's First Baptist Church. We also want to let you know about the men's retreat coming up in October 2nd and 3rd at Camp Choye entitled Unleashed. We'll be led by Pastor Greg, Steve Knox, our college catalyst, and Eric Reed, the men's minister. We hope to see you there, and we hope that this podcast is a blessing to you. Have a great day. Hey, I I do want to welcome y'all, and I don't know time-wise how this is going to fit for everybody. Uh, We do have a couple of guys that they saw 7 o'clock on the web, which I don't know if I didn't proof it or whatever, and then they were counting on that, and it ends up being at 6 because that's what was in print. Um, but we are, we are shooting. We've, we've had feedback that some men, their families did something around 6 o'clock, and then their families would be done, and the men would be going on until 8.30. And so the feedback was to offer something for the 6 to 7.30 window, something for the 7 to 8.30 window. <clears throat> but I, I just want to say uh, we're actually going to have a, three, a three-man team teaching over the next 12 weeks. And... Uh, I'm Eric Reed, do the men's ministry here, married young adult ministry. I think I know every one of y'all you know, from different contexts. I want to introduce somebody that, that most of you know, and that's uh, Milton Redeker. Milton, if you want to say a little bit about yourself. I'm coordinator of men's ministry. <laughs> that says it all. He's a, he's a Houston Texans fan. Oh, yeah. And a Dallas uh, no, I was just kidding. Yeah, actually, he's a Cowboys fan. <laughs> I grew up in Oklahoma, guys, so forgive me for that. Uh, I'm a graduate of Hardin Seminary University, Southwestern Seminary, and Luther Rice Seminary, and been in the ministry 55 years. And done a lot of things with a lot of men, and seen some of these guys in class for all last year, and I'm looking forward to a great time with the men in this class. Yeah, and, 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 and Milton brings, obviously, there's there's like biblical knowledge you can have, and then there's the experience of living out that biblical knowledge. And Scripture calls that wisdom, and, and Milton brings brings that wisdom in in you know to us as men. And I, I admire that and appreciate that and value that. So I've told him anytime we can get you teaching a class or any of that, we're we're going to do that and and allow that wisdom to come down and you know hopefully impact all of us. We also have a a new guy in our rotation teaching, and this is Renee Rivera. Hi there. And uh, Renee has been for the last several years. Uh, you've been serving in the church in, in what areas? Uh, the gathering, leading worship. It was called the gathering, contemporary service. Uh, working in the media, working in currently right now with Summit Sports, uh, Summit Intramurals, singles, singles, young singles, right? The young singles. Young singles at Houston's First Baptist Church. <laughs> and I've taught, and currently right now, two things that I'm active in: Summit Sports, but also on Wednesday morning we have a men's breakfast that we've had for about 12 years now. Uh, it's moved to the IHOP at 6 a.m. And uh, I help facilitate that. I don't teach that anymore, but I help facilitate that, that Bible study. So I'm really excited, as Milton uh, pointed out, to be here and be serving with y'all and leading with y'all. I didn't tell you, I had six children and 13 grandchildren, so I have a little bit of experience with right. <laughs> And I've never been to cemetery, I mean, seminary. <laughs> so I love what we get there. Yeah, and, and, and Renee, you know, brings a brings a unique perspective as well as he, because of sort of the athletic side, he also does a lot of uh, ministry with uh, some special forces, soldiers, things like that, uh, actually having right. studies with them and things. So it, it's it's a real, I think, I think it's a, it's a unique opportunity that we all have of sort of working together and being in here together that I hope we sort of learn from each other. And, uh, and we're going to unpack a little bit about where we're going over the next 12 weeks in doing this, um, I want to let I want to let Milton, you know, share first. Uh, I think just from a personal, a personal take on the spiritual disciplines, sort of a personal context of spiritual disciplines in the life of, of a guy that's been in ministry for fifty plus years. Can we up there? Uh, that's great. Yes. Yeah. Is that all right, guys? Here? Like, I we're all <laughs> What's the difference between punishment and discipline? Everybody know? Have you idea? You probably hadn't even thought of that, had you? Punishment is immediate, usually immediate, and short term. Discipline is something that is played out over a long period of time, and it's continuous. Uh, 
because we can be punished and it's over with. I'd rather been punished as a child than this. You know, Dad could whip me in with a belt or a razor strap or whatever, you know, and it was over with. I'd cry, make some crocodile tears, and he thought he had done his job, and I'd been punished. Uh, but punishment is something that we're not going to be studying here. We won't even be close to it. Discipline is something that every one of us are involved in, whether we want to be or not. Uh, some of us are better disciplinarians to ourselves and our family and our children and our work habits than others. And that only comes, discipline comes out of a heart, what we're going to be talking about here. Discipline comes out of a heart that wants to please God. And if you don't want to please God, and you're, you're in the wrong class tonight. And I'll just say that right up front. Guys that have been with me before know that uh, discipline, even in our attendance, is a discipline. Getting here on time is a discipline. Staying in the class, even though you may not say feel like you're getting all you want out of the class, but you make a commitment. Commitment and discipline are intertwined together. Uh, my wife told me today. She said, "I don't think I'll go to choir tonight. I, I'm tired." I said, but you've made a commitment to singing the Christmas music, and it's three months away, but you've made a commitment, so you need to discipline yourself, said to my wife, you need to discipline yourself to follow through on your commitment. And so out of a background of punishment, I learned discipline, to discipline myself in all my habits, to discipline myself in prayer, to discipline myself in witnessing, to discipline myself discipline myself in evangelism. And these are just some of the things that we're going to really hit hard in this class. And I was telling uh, what's your Ray, name? Ray. Ray. I was telling Ray while I was this is going to be an in-depth class. It may sound like when we introduce a session, it may sound like, ah, I've been there, done that. But when we use the term a godly man who is disciplined, is a lot more in depth than, than some of these uh, topics that are going to sound like they're pretty basic. But discipline is basic. Discipline is the foundation and the root of everything we stand for as Christians. And you can say to yourself, you see somebody walking down the hall and say, boy, that guy's really disciplined. I was in a class with him and it just seemed like or she or he or they, they're really disciplined in their their habits, or their their walk with the Lord. Well, how do you know that? How do you know the discipline? Unless you've heard them give a testimony to the fact that they're disciplined. One way you can always tell someone is disciplined. Do you take notes in church about the sermons? That's a discipline. Because we only keep 10% of what we hear. But what you see, read, hear, and do you retain 90%. That's a discipline. That's a discipline. Just to take notes on what you hear in this class is a discipline. And we we'll want you to take notes because you will you will take more into your your mind when you take notes on what's being given. We could uh, I've got a syllabus that I've made for, for Eric and for Renee that has the entire session. And you could take that and read it, but it wouldn't mean one thing to you. But when you get the extras in disciplines, the testimony of disciplines, you will find that some of these things aren't so basic after all. They're not so elementary. To be a walking, talking, live it out, walk it out type of Christian, you need these basic disciplines. And you know what? My discipline is like this in everything I do, and so is yours. We all have high points, we all have low points our discipline. But the thing is your discipline may be like this, but hopefully it's not like this. But if you're always doing this, but it's still like this, you're all, Paul said, I've pressed toward the mark. To me, that's that's always climbing higher and higher and keeping on, keeping on with the Lord. And to me, a mark like that, whether it's like this, is discipline. So I'd say, guys, don't quit what you're doing. Don't give up. Keep disciplining yourselves in the 12 disciplines of a spiritual man.
That's great. I wanted, I wanted y'all to hear, here's a, here's a guy that's, it's one thing to find a young believer uh, a year into their relationship with Christ, and they're sort of enthusiastic about things, and they get excited, and they're, they're, they're sort of pressing on. It's something else to find a, a man that's it's been walking with Christ for over 50 years that has that excitement and is still pressing on. That encourages me. So I wanted y'all to hear a personal context of spiritual discipline, that that is something we, in our life, it should be propelling us forward. I, I wanted Renee to share a little, just a, a big, uh, sort of a biblical right. context for spiritual disciplines. It was kind of funny because you alluded to discipline, and you alluded to the fact that I hang around some guys that are, I'll share with you. Every, they can every, kill you with one pinky. With their thumb. <laughs> <laughs> I can kill you with this pen. And, and, and I, we humor that, but I, hang, uh, I actually meet with some men that are Christians, that uh, have gone to some sandy places in this world, and have done some things that are that are that are for our government and for our freedom, that are very questionable. And they have they have their discipline beyond belief. They have a hard time with biblical manhood, and they have a hard time with understanding how a God of love could also create the, could also be the same God that went into a temple and tore it up. It could also be the same God that hung on a cross. And they have an affinity or a proclivity toward the God that hung on a cross, that that took names. But the ultimate example they go back to is Jesus being the ultimate example of manhood. God being the ultimate model of who we need to fashion ourselves after. And you look at, you look, next week we'll talk about the different types of men, the tough guy, who these guys, I say, are tough. The soft man, the self-actualized man, the man that's a good provider for his family. And you know these examples. Y'all know the good provider. Some of y'all may be the good provider. Some of y'all may be the tough guy. Some may be the soft guy. Jesus was all these things. And the Bible clearly says he endured the cross. Toughness is, is a form of endurance. The ability, that, that is no small feat in itself. Three days of endurance there. So, provider. God's overall character, the way he redeemed his people and the way he provided for his people in the desert. And the way he provides for us on a daily basis shows he's the ultimate provider in all things. Soft. He was sensitive. Cried at the loss of his friends. He also cried at the loss of, over Jerusalem as well. And last, he was also a self-actualized man. Every point of his life, he knew where his outcome, what the Lord's will was for his life, and what his goal in life was. And that's to be the redemptive lamb for us overall. So that's our ultimate model. Christian for, for manhood today and so that's a, sort of a personal context there the biblical is, is is Christ is going to be our model and I wanted to share just from a church context and you guys that have, have been around for a while you, you know this is saying that I'm getting ready to say and that is that as the men of a church go so goes the church it's true in the home it's true in our society I believe that's why it's very real to say that there is a war on men and the, the weaponry is highly honed. We have been studied. Our chinks in our armor have been revealed and the enemy is firing darts daily at us, whether it's through billboards, through movies, or through a characterization of masculinity that isn't really biblical, but it's sort of there in our face and you, you're like, and it, and it it wars with our soul. And so the context for our church is that we do need to raise up men of spiritual discipline that look like the biblical man, Christ, that would have the zeal of a, a real man. Here's Milton, 50-plus years walking with Christ, but still has that desire to take that next step up, the next step up. I'm pressing on. I'm not giving up. I'm going closer and closer. It's the Billy Graham, right? That, that, that we, I don't want to fade out. I would rather just go out like a comet, you know, that just, just goes so far, so high, so close. And it didn't really burn. I just, just kept going. And maybe other people have lost sight of it. Uh, yesterday, I was at a funeral. It was over at Second Baptist. I used to work over there. And he was, a, he was a co-worker with me. Uh, it happened to be the husband of my wife's mentor, uh, 50, actually 60 years old, and he died of a massive heart attack on a Friday, last Friday. His name's Bill Van Zandt. Most funerals are 25 to 30 minutes. That's always what I've been told as a minister, that 30 minutes. You don't want to be longer than that. It makes it too hard on the family. It's, 
it's you know you're, you're sort of putting people's faces in that hurt if it's more than 30 minutes I sat there for an hour as his story was told and as letters that he had written real letters he had written his daughters his grandkids his wife and ultimately he wrote unto us were read and I sat there and I, I was I've never been this challenged and convicted in my life as here was the life of a godly man who had practiced spiritual discipline Blackaby calls it a long obedience in the same direction that's right that that's where power comes from and so what what I pray that for our church context of what we're doing not just the personal and yes, obviously not negating the biblical, but from our church vantage point is, you are needed more than ever today as men that are actually walking toward God. And that doesn't mean we're perfect. Milton already shared his personal, you know, <laughs> we, we're there. We, we do that. But the, our trajectory is Godward. It's not sensual. It's not carnal, but it's, it's Godward. And so I want to pray right now, and then I want us to begin to go through this first week, and we're going to sort of give an overview of where we're going, and then we're going to hit a couple of things that are going to be roadblocks to us in this journey of spiritual disciplines. Lord God, we come to you right now, and, and we come as men. And, and Father, I praise you that you've made us men. Lord, I believe that... Uh, Sometimes in our society, we're almost asked to apologize for being men. But God, as we stand before you, we realize that the kingdom of God is advancing. is advancing around us, God. It's advancing with strong men, God. And strong men are taking hold of it. And Lord, you have not asked us to apologize for being men. You have not asked us to hide our hearts away from you. You've not asked us to live a lie of a caricature of what a man truly is. But God, you have asked us to passionately walk with you with courage, uh, with integrity and honesty. But Lord, more than all of that, God, with love, that that's the greatest of it all, and that our love would compel us to live differently, uprightly. So, Father, would you use these men here, would you use words that are spoken, scriptures that are read, prayers that are prayed, and conversations that are had, to give us a true view of who we can be in you, who you're calling us unto. And God, we pray for an unleashing at our church of the men of our church in your kingdom. We need you daily. Our world needs godly men. Our church rises and falls with godly men. The children and the children's children will perish without godly men. And so I pray for these men. I pray for myself. Would we be found faithful? Would we be found walking with you when you return? And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. When you all hear the word spiritual discipline, Milton shared a little bit about discipline, but when you hear the word spiritual discipline, just tell me sort of what gets conjured up in your mind. And this would be the time you can actually blurt it out loud. And there are enough of us so you don't have to raise your hand, but you can just sort of say, what comes out? Spiritual discipline character okay someone else someone that goes to church all the time maybe okay uh going to church regularly someone else and this doesn't have to be a listing it could be just what it evokes inside of you when you hear that phrase spiritual discipline in the word daily in the word daily you think have a desire every day to become more godly wow a desire every day that's a great one <laughs> i mean I, I'll, I'll just say i look at david and he blew it, man, but there was that, there was that desire, and you see it, you know, as, 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 as a deer thirsts, so my soul longs. Yeah, it's this beautiful image that, that David records for us. Somebody else, I'd like to hear from each of you, maybe this uh, spiritualism, what does that bring up in you? I think I, I heard something in another Bible study this um, that uh, if someone at work is looking for Christ, if you're going on in life, they're looking for someone that knows Christ and Jesus, are they going to come to you? Wow. So yeah. it makes you like, oh, are they really going to come to me or are they not? Yeah. So. Spiritual discipline. We're, we're all, you know, we've all in the class, you know, Milton and I were praying about different classes to offer, and, and we're, we call these milestone classes, you know, and, and I'm like, 
quest for authentic manhood, all roles of a man, winning at work and home, and we're going to be offering starting in October the Great Adventure on Sunday nights. These are all classes we feel like every man should go through at some point in time in their life, whether married, whether single, whether young, whether old. Spiritual disciplines was something that, that resonated with all three of us as something that we have both struggled with, misunderstood, and been blessed by over, for me, over the last 25 years. For Milton, how many years has it been? 55 55 years. And for some of y'all, somewhere in between, probably. But y'all signed up for this class. Y'all are here today. I want you to think about what do you want to get from this class? What appealed to you about a class for men in spiritual disciplines? And if you have a little chutzpah, a little, a little ah, I'd love to share it. I'd love to hear it. I think it would benefit us to, to really hear on the front side. And when you do share, just, just share your name also because we're going to be in here for 12 weeks and we will have conversations. Um, well, I'll start off. Uh, my name is Mark, and I go to uh, Bible class on Sundays, but i got to work too, so I go early. You know, so, but my thing is, like I said earlier, decided to become a godly man. I'm one of those people that became a Christian about eight years ago. And I've uh, been up and down, not been perfect. And, but I've always had a pull. It seems like God's always pulling me towards him all the time. Even when I pull away, and I, you know, it's like when my work schedule being in sales, working 60 hours a week, it's very tough for me to do a lot of things. Most things the church does is always on weekends when I'm working and I can't get out. But to give you an example, we did a Houston um, project, I think it was called, and we did the um, Perry Barrington Church. We go there every year. I've never once evangelism, never done once, never thought of doing it, but I'm very good at sales. I actually did a curve for four years. So Mark, <laughs> Miranda, he, he was in there, we're talking the first day, I was able to go two days, and that's it. He goes, Mark, he goes, why don't you try this? He goes, you get the background, and I can see it in you, you, you might be good. So I just went with them for the two days, and I've gone four years in a row, and it was, you know, watching teenagers play sports. It was okay, but I was just more just make sure no one left the church and, you know, sneak out. That's right. <laughs> now, when I went there, it was the most amazing experience of those two nights. I felt like it was something that was meant for me because I was, I felt at ease. I wasn't scared. I actually was aggressive to go up to the doors. And, it, and Mark went with me the first day. He got sick, and I went with somebody else, and I kind of took the lead the second day. I'd never done it before. And I just think God always wants us to pull us. And we all have different talents. Right. And I think he pulls us in what we're talented at. Me, talking, selling, you know. He gives us gifts in every aspect of what we're good at. But for me in this class, it's getting to become more spiritual with, with what the Bible says, you know. And just to learn a lot on that aspect of being more of a godly man, too, for my family and for my kids. I have four of them myself, all little ones. Wow. And they've been with the church since all of them were born. So they've been raised. And, you know, my 10-year-old, 8-year-old daughter, my 5-year-old son, and my 2-year-old girl, they've been to this church since they were little. So the church has been really wow. good to them. So, But that's my biggest thing is learning man. to be more of a godly man and being pushed more towards it all the time. Well, my prayer is that that happens for you, Mark. That, Thank you. That 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 heart cry that you have, I don't believe God puts that heart cry in us to leave it unfulfilled. That's right. I would say that's his will for your life. And he will fulfill that. And, and may this class be part of the fulfillment of that. May the other men in here be part of the fulfillment in that as we, as we discuss, as we talk and share. And, and, and actually we'll have some projects we do during the, the next 12 weeks dealing with spiritual disciplines. Um, someone else. Uh, what, what sort of drew you to a class on spiritual disciplines? Blake? Well, I related to Mark a lot there because I've been doing the Houston Project and uh, evangelism with that. I was at Allen Parkway Village this past year in Glendale, uh, Glendale right. Apartments before that. But I'm kind of from the opposite perspective, though. It is completely out of character for me, and I've never been a person to try to persuade others or anything like that. But I am just to share what I've experienced with Christ and I just know that's what I'm supposed to do and that's how I know that it comes from the Holy Spirit because it's so out of character for me wow. that, um, I've, been, I've only been saved about 
That's great. And, and, and hopefully as y'all you know, are in here, that, that you will be able to hear each other's stories in different, in different ways because I think that's real important. That's something that doesn't happen a lot uh, always on a Sunday morning is that men don't always, we'll, we'll talk about how work was, and we'll talk about a lot of things, but we sports. don't always engage, or sports. Right. <laughs> you have to go there and eat donuts. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Sunday morning's kind of mission. You're kind of superficial. You're kind of yeah. above the fray, you know, and you only have a limited time, and you, and you, you got to get ready, so it's kind of a mask on. And I think what Eric's trying to say here today, and, and encourage you, is that let the mask go. I mean, incredible testimonies right there. Incredible openings up, so. Well, I was thinking Dan and I are in the same Sunday school class, and we went through Quest together. Wow. And there were five of us from the same class that went through Quest together, and we know each other so much better now than we did before. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. That was a great experience. Well, you know, I get, I'm excited to get, one of the things I want to get out of this is meeting y'all, getting to know y'all. Y'all get to know me. But I want to learn and understand just as much, because I've been a Christian for over, and you know it, it gets kind of it melts in the drops. To hear the five year and the eight year, I hope I can be an encouragement, some type of you know I wouldn't say some type of role model, but as we present the biblical model, I'd like to be able to learn from that and get that that sponge like attitude from you, that craving. Yeah, yeah. but I've had a lot of drops too in the last eight years. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm not perfect. <laughs> well, yeah. 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 Who is? Well, there is. <laughs> yeah, and, and and I think you, you Renee puts a an obvious thing is we're not teaching this class because it is all figured out for us and that we right. have somehow arrived. We are journeying on the same pathway. It's the same prayer we have is we're teaching this class also because we want to understand more. We want to take that other step closer and further. Um due due to time I, I wanna speed up just a little bit on this because I know we're going to get caught on time. We have a, we didn't want to just get right into dumping data the very first week. We actually wanted to sort of set a table and that we're going to slowly eat this thing and take it in one little bite at a time over the next 12 weeks. Um, but week one we thought was important to put the context out there from personal to biblical to ecclesiastical or fancy word for church, how this fits into the life of our church. Um, I wanted to say that we are all going to come from different vantage points on spiritual disciplines. If you come from a very uh, rigid, fundamental uh, background, then spiritual disciplines are going to bring a little different feel for you. If you've come from a non-Christian, willy-nilly, whatever you want to believe you believe, it's going to also come from a different vantage point. What we hope to do is to, by using Scripture and using Christ as the model, we hope to actually put something out there that would actually transcend culture. It would transcend time. That what we would be openly engaged with would actually not have been way out of character for the early church. It wouldn't have been out of character for Christ's disciples. And I pray that if Christ tarries for a hundred more years, that our grandchildren it would have it wouldn't be un, it wouldn't be a, a waste of time for them either to 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 zoom in and to see through time and to see what their granddad or their great-granddad was doing right now, that these things would actually be timeless. Um, I want to give you some statistics that have happened in the last, I think the survey was done probably three years ago or something like that. I want to give you some stats, and, and we're not giving you these stats because it's like, whoa, we're horrible people, but I want to put them up here and I want to have a real brief conversation about maybe what you think is driving it. Okay, it says, surveys show that for every 10 men in church, nine will watch at least one of their kids walk away from church. Now, if you only have two kids, that's 50%. That would stink. If you have four kids, Mr. Mark, that's 25%. Well, I don't care if it's 25 or 50, that still stinks that we would say that out of a Christian home, at least one of those kids is going to walk out and you're just going to hit your head and say, God, what's wrong? And you're going to be on your knees and you're going to pray for their redemption I've watched this in my parents. My brother's 43, and they're just praying and praying and praying for him. Eight do not find their job satisfying. I got an amen from Renee over yeah, there, but yeah. we're not going to uh, tell oh, HP yeah. that. Yeah, no, no. yeah, because I think <laughs> in our economy, having a job is just awesome. Yeah. It really is. Uh, Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> yes. A six pay only the monthly minimum 
on their credit card balances. Now this, actually this survey was done before the economy cratered. Now I would say now it might be far worse than that and we could point the finger at the economy. But this was when the market was way up. This was at, you know, 11, 12,000 Dow right here. Uh, five have a major problem with pornography. A major problem with pornography. As if there were a minor problem with pornography. I don't know, yeah, I'm not sure what that would be, right? I still have a major problem with pornography. Well, there, there, not, there is, there is, there is yeah. different levels, but yeah. any, any issue with pornography, in my mind, is I know women that have, have a major issue with pornography. Yes, and the percentage of that is higher than you think. Yeah. And, yeah. and I mean that from an overall standpoint. I mean, the, the sentence is I, funny. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. But no, no, I, I think, no, I, I think. Exactly right. Ray, Ray's right. Over a third of all women are engaged in pornography now. Um, but that's the visual pornography. If you get into emotional pornography, a.k.a. romance novels, soap, soap operas, and the fantasy. For men, it's a visual fantasy. For women, it's an emotional fantasy. Both of them are destructive to Absolutely. marriage and family because they pull us from reality and it puts an idol in place of God. It puts our own appetite, our own lust, in place of what God rightfully should be, the object of our desire. And so the five, 50%, 50% major problem of pornography. That's a huge too. Four. Four out of every ten men in church, this isn't in our society, this is in church, will get divorced. In this room right now, that would mean basically, I mean, just count it out, one, two, three, four, five, six. I mean, we're, we're, that would mean four of us right here would end up divorced. And only one will have a biblical worldview. So back to what Mark had said, I've only been a believer a little while I, but I really, really want to study. I want to know more of God's Word. And I'll tell you, Barna did a research on pastors of evangelical churches. And about half of them didn't have a biblical worldview. And you wonder what's wrong with the church. <laughs> right? It's called, it's called the shadow of a leader. How can that be, though? They're pastors of the evangelism pastors that go out preaching the word of the Bible, how can they not be uh, that make a, sense? A, a biblical worldview is going to take into everything from the origin of life to morality to uh, spiritual discipline to the authority of God's word to the living out of that word. So it's not just a, I believe in Jesus, Jesus is the only begotten son of God. I, you know, I can recite the Nicene Creed and still not have a biblical worldview. I have the right knowledge, but, but my worldview is also combined with my living. And so I think those things combine together. And, and all ten will struggle to balance work and family. And, and I'm in ministry, and I'm telling you, I've done a, I ran a boys' home. I have done special education. I've done regular education. I've been a coach. Uh, I've been an exercise physiologist. I mean, I've done several things, and it's always been a problem for me. And working in a church doesn't make it any easier, doesn't make it any harder. It's still a problem for me. I think we would all, would we amen that one? Amen. It's rough. And with four kids, Mark, I, I feel for you. And not because it's, a, it's an undue, horrible burden, but you probably feel like you failed to spend quality time oh, yeah. I mean, on a daily basis. It kills me because I work 60 hours a week and my wife, thank God. I can make it up for my wife to stay home and raise Absolutely. my kids. I have so many friends I know that their mom works, their husband works, and, and they get aunts and grandparents and daycare raising their kids. And that's a big part of society's problem mm -hmm. too, my opinion. So I'm, I thank God at least that I have my wife. She does such a great job with the kids. But it hurts me too. Yeah. Yeah. As, as y'all look at these stats, I mean, what does that, what are those stats? I mean, it's just talk for me. What do those stats say to you? What does it, it reveal? Church isn't doing its job. Okay, church isn't doing its job. You, you don't look at the outside of somebody or outside of a church person because what may be look good, good on the outside is bad on the inside. Wow, that's, yeah, and that's a highly biblical. That's, that's throughout about ten different books of the Bible is, is that principle right there, that God looks at the heart and men look at the outside. And that's why the Proverbs 31 woman is so dynamic. Right? And, and because she's got that inside that comes out. 
and she becomes more beautiful. And for us as men, we become stronger men as we live a life of spiritual discipline. Um, what else? What else do these things maybe maybe reveal or show? Seems to me like maybe that people aren't serious about what they want to get out out of the church. Interesting. That you know what they need might be there. They're not necessarily getting it. Wow. That's good. That's good. John. Do those statistics include men and women, or is that just men only? It's men. It's men. Yeah. And the other part is um, maybe people just do not know what to look for, so maybe their wives, those other statistics are like that too. Okay. They're, they're just we're almost aimless sort of idea, confused in there? Yeah, it's kind of. Ray, you started to say something also. Yeah, I think, um, uh, I guess looking from my perspective is that uh, this is a result of what society has said man needs to be. Ah. Okay, and uh, so um, I was taught to do good in school, go to college so you can get a good job so you can make money. Okay, so I was never taught how to manage money. I was never taught <laughs> those those type of things. So to get a good education, well, what does that mean? What do I have to do to get to that point? And this right here, I think, is a direct result of society saying it's what man. It's okay to look at pornography. It's okay that uh, I work. Um, you know, 90 hours a week. You know, he's saying, oh, but I had a, 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 a representative from a manufacturer tell me that for, for a man to survive as well and to be a leader, to get high up in the company, he's got to work 80 hours a week or more. And I, that just set me off one time. I was like, you know what, this dinner's over. I said, you, this, no, it's not. <laughs> you know, it's not. I'm not working 80 hours a week. You know, and I did not do it. And, um, and, Someone told me about a book called Why Men Hate to uh, Go to Church. I'm sure y'all probably heard that. I haven't read it yet. The, the, the title interests me so much that it's, it's going to be in my library soon. But it's, you know, I guess the concept is that the church is not appealing uh, to the men. I think it is, you know, and what do you have to offer me? It's all about me. So what do you have to offer me? You don't have anything to offer me, I also, Ray, you can yeah. you can do all the disciplines, even th all the disciplines that we're going to discuss here in the next 12 weeks, and you can make an effort to do all of those in your life. And somewhere along the line, none of those are going to work. He just gave a good example to us the other day, but the guy said, you know, I've, I've been a good guy. I've been a good boy, so to speak, but it didn't work. I got divorced anyway. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna dive into that in just a minute. Actually, looking at the motives of our heart, I wanna I wanna give give something that disciplines the spiritual disciplines, and it, it doesn't obligate God to us, and that's real real important. God's not R two D two or C three PO that we put a certain code in and that robot does exactly what we want. God is a is a roaring lion. A consuming fire. If you guys have ever seen the wildfires out in California, I remember when Oklahoma, their wildfires broke out, and I was driving. I was driving from Tulsa to Fort Worth, and I was going down the highway, and I mean, I looked. I thought I had been shot, but 40 or 50 yards off the highway was a wall of fire coming, and, and the heat and the strength of it was so powerful. It, it, my windows were up, my AC was on, but it was just like the hottest thing hit me. It was like, Whoa! you know, and I was just looked, and it was far away. It wasn't containable. It wasn't controllable. It was a force to be reckoned with. And God equated himself with that. <laughs> God said, I'm a roaring lion. You know, I'm just, just I'm not domesticatable. You can't castrate me and make me a nice house kitten to do what you want. I'm God. And these disciplines don't obligate God. What these disciplines do is it demonstrates to our maker, it demonstrates to God Almighty that we are serious about knowing him and serious about following him. And if you, if you look across the tapestry of Scripture, the men that knew God 
and followed God had a life that I think we would all say, I want that life. It's not because they obligated God. And we're going to look at sort of how, how what God has done and how what he calls us to and who we are in him intersect in the idea of spiritual you have written that down you need discipline down put it on your refrigerator put it on your mirror where you shave because everything that's, everything that is coming in this class hinges from that statement right there so let me let me let me step you through the next 12 weeks very quickly um, God is going to reveal himself every day in, in one of four ways and I'm going to say he does it through all four ways every day. The first thing is it's through his works. We're going to look next week at how the heavens declare, the heavens declare God to us. As Romans 1 says, the creation itself is not to be worshipped, but it's to point us to a creator that is worshipped. And it's through his works. Number two, it's through his word. As I look around here, I see several of you have brought your Bible. We'll be using the Bible. It is his word. Jesus Christ was the Word made flesh. We call that the incarnation into flesh. That the scripture we read and the life of Christ are essential to our life because it reveals God daily to us. Number three, it's through the whisper of the Holy Spirit. And we will look at how we as men can discipline ourselves to hear the voice of God. And how we can cultivate ears to hear. If you remember the words of Jesus, let he who has the what? Ears to hear. I got big ones. I got big ones. And number four, through the witness of believers. And I said earlier that in this room, in this room is power. That our church needs men of spiritual discipline and that the men of spiritual discipline need men of spiritual discipline. That we create, in a very real sense, a, a synergy, a, this convergence of lives following God together is what the body of Christ was always supposed to be. And God fashioned us as men that we might actually take the point. That we be the tip of the spear that's being thrown out by God into this world, we be the tip of that spear. Not our wives and not the women. Not that, they're, not that they're not to be godly, but that we are to be God-led in our role as spiritual leaders, serving and challenging and exhorting and encouraging. And if we don't experience God's revelation through others, and that's why the whole monastic period of Christianity... They called them Cenobitic monks. They would go into the deserts and get alone because they didn't want to sin. I believe that that set, although their motives were right, I think that set some stuff historically that we struggle with even today about separating the sacred and the secular. And that we have God in church, but I don't have God at work. And, and because of, the, of that withdrawal... Over a thousand plus years ago, spiritual disciplines for us becomes a challenge. And we're going to look next week at the creation of God and how we intersect with that, where God is at work in that world. So we're going to explore different ways we can tune into what the Spirit has to say. And these are some of the topics. And you don't have to write all these down, but, but it's, it's, it's prayer, worship, the Sabbath day, and I'm guilty of that. <laughs> I'm guilty. I work on Sunday, absolutely. Um, so does Pastor Greg. But not the Chick-fil-A managers, and that's the cool thing. That's what we're talking about is Chick-fil-A. That's a curse, man. That's a curse. Or Hobby Lobby. Or Hobby Lobby. That's right. I tried to buy a hot glue gun, as every man needs a good one, in case a guy comes in the middle of the night, you can put that boiling hot glue on him, and ow, watch out, he's leaving. Okay, uh, a man in council... A man in fasting, a man in spiritual warfare. Those are some of the topics we are going to be diving into over the next 12 weeks, along with, and there's three more here. Has everyone got those sort of jotted down? And the final three, we're going to be looking at things that help others and help us express this idea. So disciplines were never, if y'all can imagine and picture, have you seen sort of the weight room guy? That, that gets in the weight room and he lifts and he lifts and he lifts and he lifts and he even probably takes some enhancements 
and he's like really big guy, but you never see him outside of that doing anything. He just sort of walks around with the big shirt. That's that used to be me. Listen, that. Okay, perhaps not. Perhaps not. But it's hard. It's hard to. It's hard to get a hold of that to say, well, that's a real man. I think what God would rather see is a guy that looks normal like any one of us. And we exercise ourselves spiritually. And then we enter into this world to make a difference for him. That we do a Houston project for him. That we share Christ with a coworker, That we help someone that's got the flat tire. That we discipline our kids in love and train them up in the way they should go. So that when they're old, they wouldn't depart. It wouldn't be the one out of every two. It would be my kids have been shepherded by me. So we'll look at a man in stewardship, a man in service, and a man in evangelism. And those are three essential areas that we're going to have to look at. And man, fly. <laughs> and, and we, uh, wow, I can't believe we're just now getting here. I want Renee to come up here real quickly and uh, real quickly. No, no, no. Here, we we'll get through it all. We'll we'll get through it all. We got a lot of material. I'm sorry, but it's all good. And, and is six o'clock okay start time for everybody? I mean, I know the guys that can't be here can't be here, but I think starting at six is going to be huge if we can do that. No, I was going to ask you a question. If I do miss like next week's Labor Day week, which is like Christmas holiday for our company, wow. I'll be working Wednesday at the biggest mattress sales of, of the year that week. So they have me Wednesday. I'm working the whole week pretty much. Right. Except for Monday. But uh, if I miss next Wednesday, if I come back the following week, I, it's not going to be, I won't miss a lot. Where You will, you will have to be beaten, Mark. Beaten. <laughs> uh, you you will receive a special tattoo uh, that Blake and I will design for you this week. Blake will be emailing that back and forth. We're, we're, we are trying to record this because we understand that business takes people out sometimes. Right. And the last thing we want is for you to, to feel like because you miss one or two weeks that you're not fit to be here. But we want you to prioritize being here. And, and that's important, being here together. And so we are recording these. I'm thinking that the divorce book is the marriage thing with my wife. So that would be a good thing. I'm sitting through this, I'm like... This is good. I, no, this is good. <laughs> What's that? That's good. Yeah, so, no, and, and she's like, I want to do this, so I'm, I'm doing that with her. Yeah. Uh, but, so, we'll and I that mean, offline we, or something? Online. Yeah, well, I'll, I got your email. If you signed in, we have your email. Right. We'll send a link out as soon as I can pony up some time. I'm going to a funeral tomorrow. Um, but but without without further ado, oh, what happened to him? Oh, no, my gosh. Without, <laughs> <he's>, <laughs> guys, I got to go to choir. He's. Oh, yeah, wife too. Yes. My wife's in there too. <laughs> All right. Oh, crud. Okay. I got his so notes. let's talk about what spiritual disciplines is not. In the 80s or the late late 80s, early 90s, there was a, a, a marketing campaign around a shoe, and the campaign was very clearly "Just Do It." Remember that? What was the company? Nike. Nike. Unfortunately, that, that campaign kind of permeated itself through every through pop culture. I mean, there were Christian shirts like prayer, just do it. You know, it permeated through every aspect, even the church, yeah. to be candid with you. And unfortunately, we kind of lost sight. A lot of spiritual leaders, a lot of Christians today lost sight of it. And they kind of adopted the just do it approach to Christianity. The spiritual disciplines was a form of legalism. In the heart of it was a form of legalism. And one author that, that we have curriculum we pull in from, called it very simply, Nike Christianity. Nike Christianity, he compared to hepatitis. <laughs> Pleasant. It's deadly. Hepatitis. A, B, and C. So the first form of, of legalism within Nike Christianity, I, I, I'm, I'm going to paint this picture for you a little bit more, but the first form is the most deadly. That if we follow a set of rules, that if we follow a set of disciplines, that we can earn God's favor. And we know that's not the case. I have a lot of Catholic friends, a lot of friends that are coming to uh, the Christian faith from a Catholic background, and they say, well, we, could, we were taught we could earn extra grace. Think about that for a moment. Earn extra grace. <laughs> Absolutely. It's an oxymoron. 
But the biblical example for this is the rich young ruler. He did everything his whole life and approached Jesus and said, what must I do more? And Jesus said, have you done these things? Oh, yeah, I've done those. Still, it wasn't enough. The other form of legalism is, is, is legalism B, and this is the pharisaical one, where we put upon the laws of God, the laws of man, the Ten Commandments to start. There are just ten of them. We put on these addendums, these referendums, and we add on, enhance them. The Pharisees did this a lot. And it, it's very oppressive. Extremely oppressive. Amen. Amen. And it's hard to do. To the point it's prideful. It's very prideful. Lastly, the hepatitis C. Any questions on this? Because I'm, I'm moving. I'm trying to move to this. Is that we have a tendency to just follow rules with no relationship. You heard this if you have young kids. <laughs> you have to have the rules, but if you don't have the relationship with your kids, your kids will be what? Rebellious. The third R. Rebellious. You know what? That's exactly how some men are in Christianity today. They're told these things about how to follow these rules. And they're lied to sometimes. Hey, if I keep myself pure for marriage, until I get married, my sex life when I get married is going to be amazing. I'm going to have the best marriage in the world. It can be a lie. It can be wrong. Um, the other example, you know, if, if, if I just do these things, God will give me more in return. The rewards mentality, it's wrong. It's a lie. And you know what? As a new Christian or as an old Christian, that can beat the living tar out of you. It can wear you down. And you wonder, where is the grace in all this? Nike Christianity doesn't listen. It tells you what to do. It may even have contracts on the wall. It's prideful. This is my contract with my God, and I've signed it. This is my contract with my wife, and I've signed it. I put it in my office for everyone to see. It's prideful. It boasts. And it's, it's, it's deadly. And it's legalism. Let me ask a question. I, I kind of got off topic here, kind of ahead of myself. Have any of y'all experienced this or know this? Well, I got a... I'm sorry. There you go. Um, I grew up in a Pentecostal church, uh -huh. so I saw a lot, a lot of legalism, and a lot of people back-talking each other and hurting each other, like a lot of gossiping, like it'll be all hype in there, like with the music, right. like they think they're loving God, but when it comes to relationship with each other, it's just like they avoid each other, if they hurt each other. Really? Yeah. It's more divisive? It's very divisive. Very divisive. And that, that means, for those of y'all who, who went to public school, that means it separates. I'm sorry. Because <laughs> well, I went to public school too. Anyway, I'm sorry. Well, the three Pentecostal churches I've been to, they all split. They all split? Yeah. Over what issue? Um, the first one was like the pastor, they wouldn't pay the pastor's salary. So Interesting. And so the, so he wouldn't go get, he wouldn't got a job, and they split over that. Because he to take care of his wife and kids. <laughs> Trying to provide. Interesting. That's a good example. You were going to say something more? I like this. I, I knew a couple of friends, or, uh, or not acquaintances, that were members of Church of uh, Church of Christ, uh, Church of Christ, right. and they were very strict. I mean, they say that if you had a few couple of drinks one night, that's a sin. You ultimately you're going to go to hell if you don't repent. Ouch. And this is like a very strict policy. Where a lot of people, like I had a friend of mine, Greg Gunner, went to that church when we spent from Kirby vacuums. He went in there for six years and finally got out. He said, Mark, it was so strict. And then, and then um, the people who were preaching these things through the grapevine were hearing that they were doing what they were saying not to do. And they were like very high in church. And they were setting rules on everything. If you do this, this, and this, you know, you got to go to hell. You know, even if you come to church, they were like putting rules on everything. And I never read that in any of the books that I've read that says that you put rules on everything. What is, that. what is our response to rules? Rebellion. Rebellion, right? You know, in, in witnessing, you encounter that all the time. People that have been, what they call, inoculated to the gospel right. because of bad experiences with either the Catholic Church or some other church that right. was so strict they couldn't, couldn't keep up with it. Wow. 
I'd be Catholic, but I couldn't pass the physical. My wife's Catholic or former Catholic, you know, so I, I, I can do it. So, you know, when you look at Nike Christianity, you have a look at this guy's face. So what's the problem with Nike Christianity? You end up getting mad like that, okay? Just, I think the tape was actually just ripped, ripped off. off his chest. That's not mad. That's just pain. Let me just share. These photos are actually Nike ads, just so you'll know. Okay. Men just don't do it. Part of the problem with, with rules is that men, we fly against the rules. We have a tendency to say, I'm my own man. I'm not going to be accountable. Prayer, let me just tell you, it's scary to have to pray in public in front of people, but it's even scarier to pray alone and get intimate with the all creator God. That's good. The other issue, I mean, you know, accountability, heck, I answer to myself. I don't need to guard my eyes. I don't need to guard my heart. It happens. We have a tendency to feel that way. We fly against it. I'll tell, I'll tell a story real quick, if I can. Well, I won't. The issue is the heart. We get into a situation with the heart. And if someone's heart's not into it, I love my job. I have my job. I know my job. I do my job for a reason, to provide for my family. But at the end of the day, I do to glorify God. Some days, my heart's not in it. I don't want to get up and get in the car make those cold calls. I don't want to meet those people. My heart's not in it. The discipline is I do it. I, I, I go to work every day because my heart is in it because I want to provide for my family. Now, let me give you an example story in that. I kind of confused everybody here real quick. There, there, there's a story of a young lady. A lady came up to me and said, my son is not involved in church. All he does is World of Warcraft all day. World of Warcraft. Video game. You need to buy it tonight, Dan. Start it Dan, up. Dan, get involved, baby. Get addicted. Just do it, Dan. And she, and she, and she said, "Do you have anything you can do, he can do for you here at church?" And I'm like, "No." Ended up babysitting that kid for three hours. And how old was he again? Twenty-two years old. Mom demanded that he stay and be a part of Summit Sports. He didn't play, but demanded he. His heart wasn't in it. As soon as mom left, he said, "I don't want to be here, man." I want to be here. I want to be home taking a nap. And I told him, I said, you know what? Let's not lie anymore to each other. You don't want to be here? I know you don't. I'm going to tell you once why you need to be here. But I will not ask you ever again to be here. I'll never ask you to come back to this church. Your heart has to be there. That's the root of the problem with a lot of men today. Our heart is just not into it. And that's the whole issue. Let me give you three examples real quick as we go into that. Um... But God, God says, flat out, that he loved us. We, love, we love because he loved us first. The love from God came before the rules came. There's an example in Exodus where God said, I brought you out because I loved you. And then he mandated the rules, gave the Ten Commandments to the people. He reminded them of his love for them by, by bringing them out of, about, out of slavery. The um, three examples real quick, if I, if I can it's kind of like throwing, when you throw rules at an atheist who, we call him an atheist, but the Bible calls him a fool, okay? We say, hey, you got to store up treasures in heaven. What does that mean to an atheist? You're a bumbling fool. Absolutely nothing, right? Exactly, a bumbling fool. And we tell our kids, we tell rebellious teens, you got to respect your parents. But they don't have respect. They've never, they don't have the heart for it. They'll, they'll obey you out of well, maybe, maybe you gave the example yesterday that your kids obey you out of love. I did? Yeah. Man, I've been... Let's run. Let's move. No, I, I don't want to... I think we lose if we just fly through all this. Right. I think we, we kick off next week with this. Absolutely. We finish this. Let's we like to this. discuss. And, and I'd rather do it right than, right, than rush. So right. let's, you finish Let me this, finish this up and we're done. And we're done. Right. Okay. Okay. If you open your Bibles to 1 John 4. 1 John 4, 19. First John 4 Take us to the end of the lesson to get to the Word of God. First John 4 19. Whoever gets it first, will you please? It's a free Kalachi next week. Yeah, bring in the Kalachi. You read it. 
First John four nineteen. Ready? Yes. Wow. Frank, I got it right here, right? Okay. Okay, first John four nineteen. We love because he first loved us. That's right. Let's face it. What changes people what changes people's hearts? What changes people? God. What? The love. Can, can we go further and say God's love? Yeah. God's love changes people. Commands and rules don't change people. So when you tell the atheist the fool, store up treasures in heaven, what's he going to do? He's not going to care because they don't believe in heaven. Absolutely. The rebellious teen does, can't show respect because there's no love there. The godless man, you might as well tell him if he's drowning to start to swim. And he can't swim. That's <laughs> funny. Right? Not that anyone would die. No. No, I'm not like You know I'm what? With, with that said, there's nothing funnier than someone else getting hurt. I don't know where that came from. Let's stop there. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Rules are great. Rules keep civil order. Rules recognize sin. Help us recognize sin in our life. I mean, if it wasn't for rules, there wouldn't be a great football game on TV. All right? Stay in bounds. Um, but let's talk about the root of a godly life. Really quickly. And that's, that's where we need to go. We need to pursue this real quick. Um, and I say real quick just because we're running out of time. But I don't want to hash over this. The root of obedience is God's prior grace. And the fruit of obedience is conformity to his person and his plans. His kindness leads us to repentance. His love for us first is what helps us love others. And it's, it's, it's what brings us to him. If someone will open up Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. Got it. Oh, go for it. <laughs> oh, man. It's almost like I knew it was coming. Like, I just wanted to be frank, honestly. Um, I had to. For by grace, this is Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10. Absolutely. I get half of Frank's kolache next week. That's exactly right. I'll share it. Jose? I'll share it. Jalapeno. Jalapeno. <laughs> A little spicy love there. Number two, we obey spicy love. We obey not in order to gain to obtain God's salvation, but because God already saved us. The reminder going back to Exodus, when he brought the people out of out of Egypt, before he gave them the law, he said, Let me remind you, I am your God, I love you, I brought you out, let me remind you what I did for you first, and then you'll have no other gods before you. There's, no, there's nothing that says that we have to do something. We have to earn it. We have to come clean before God loves us. That's not the case. God loves us already. I keep putting this clicker down. Like the Navy SEALs told me, never put your gun down. Never put your gun down. God's grace enables and compels us to live for him. We're compelled to live for him. His grace leads us. And he says, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. There's no ultimate... I guess demonstration of obedience and love for God. I'm sorry, no, no ultimate demonstration of love for God than obeying what He commands us to do. And we do it because we're compelled, because He loved us first and He saved us. You know, let's. I, I want to let you all have some time to discuss. We put a few questions together. I think we'll. Will help frame up. I think it's slide thirteen. Yes. Um, What's with the pink? This is a men's thing. You you did that. Dude. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's actually fuchsia, so it's a little different. It's a shade of purple pink. It's cool. Um, go Vikings! That's right. Almost Vikings here. Yeah. Oh, it was the Eagles that got Eagles. the uh, the dog Eagle. man. That's no, right. Forgot about that. Um, we're not talking about Vic this week. Uh, if y'all want to get together, we can probably get in two groups. Uh, Group of a group of three, group of four. Um, here's some questions. Why does legalism appeal to almost every Christian at some point in their spiritual life? Why do you think that happens? 
Um, how do people change? You know, we sort of told you what we think, but, but we'd like y'all to discuss that. And then list the motives that people can have for obeying God. What are your main motives for living as a disciple? And how might you move to higher motives? Next week, we'll begin by looking at three core motives that, that compel us toward obedience. Because ultimately, obedience and discipline sort of go together. And so we're living a reckless life. Most likely, we're not even practicing any form of discipline in our life. And so we want to, uh, hey, yeah, easy. No. <laughs> so if y'all want to take this moment and also share your name, you know, and, and we've got we got 15 minutes right now. Let's do that. I want to pray over you, and then when you're done, we can slide out. And if you didn't sign the sheet, please do that so I can email you a link when we get the podcast up. Um, Lord God, I thank you for today. I thank you for these men. Uh, Lord, I know that some that could not be here, some that had to leave early. Uh, Lord, but for all of us that have been here and desire to be here, I pray that you would continue to work in our life. Uh, Lord, thank you for the gift of your son Christ. Thank you for initiating a relationship with us. Thank you that while we were sinners and rebelling against you, that you died for us. That's good news. That's great news. And may we reflect that in our life as men. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us on this week's podcast. We would love to have you come in person. We meet Wednesday evenings from 6 to 7.30 at Houston's First Baptist Church. More information is on the web at houstonsfirst.org, houstonsfirst.org. Again, have a blessed day.